Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the What's Up podcast. I'm really excited for this episode um, that will kick off Black History Month, and we have people from the Pan-African Commons here today to talk with us. So I will let y'all go ahead and introduce yourselves, just say your name, your pronouns, and your role within the Pan-African Commons. Oh, hello everyone. My name's Courtney. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am the Pan-African Commons Coordinator. Alrighty. Hi everyone, my name's Kennedy. Um, I, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am one of the team members on the programming assistant team for Pan-African Commons. Well, thank you all so much for being here today. Really appreciate you coming to have this conversation. And I hope like I can help facilitate with, with questions, but you can really like take it away and, you know, let the conversation flow and, and see what comes of it. Um, but I wanted to start off asking about, um, you know, what is the Black experience at PSU? What is existing while Black at PSU kind of look like? What is this community looking like at PSU? And if you could just talk about that. I know it's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah, it's very hard to begin, I guess, speaking about the question you're asking because I do want to start off on a positive note, but I can't really say that um, because I'm a student at PSU, and so I've been there for, I'm a transfer student, so I've been there for, well, will be two and a half years, um, and I guess when I first transferred, it was hard for me to find a sense of community because um, PSU has a very different type of um, community from when I started from a private college, so you know, you have a lot of people who are, who, uh, who range in age, because there's a lot of um, people who come from, they don't start off as, you know, 18, they just, it's become from a lot of different age ranges. So um, I will say that it was very easy for me to find community um, as a student of color, because um, they, oh, there was um, Connect, Connect is what I found first to um, introduce me to PAC and to uh, Black Student Union. So in terms of the organ, organizational side of um, finding community as a black student, it was easy. Um, but the thing was, is that once you kind of emerged yourself into the community, there needed to be a lot of work to be done because I saw a lot of black students, which made me happy. But I think that what needs to be done in the sense of the Black community and the Black experience at PSU for it to be more um, welcoming and for us to be more active is like more work to be done. And I think that a lot of um, Black students get confused about um, their voices being heard 
and having a sense of community and showing our activists on campus on campus is because like um at first before um I had met Courtney and before she took the role of um being the coordinator for Pan-African Commons there wasn't a lot of um authority to go to to help the development of the different organizations for black students on campus so I guess like I wanted to start off with by sharing that to answer your question, I would say join our Black History Month event titled Being Black at PSU. It's on February 19th from 12 to 2 p.m. Um, it's a really complicated and complex question to answer because there's just so much uh, diversity within Blackness. And so Blackness is not a monolithic experience. So Kennedy can share her experience. I can share my experience, but that doesn't mean that all students are experiencing the same um, exact thing. So I think that's important to realize and recognize. What I will share is that right now there's a lot of different uh, current trends that are affecting the Black community, specifically Black students. Uh, this is no different to PSU. This is really across the board at all PWIs and the PWI is a predominantly white institution. For those who aren't unfamiliar with that terminology, so mental health right now is definitely um, a key concern due to the pandemic, but also due to racism and microaggressions that may take place in the classroom or amongst um, even peers or, well, I already said faculty members, but um, yeah, so microaggressions, uh, racism, those are things that can fuel mental health along with the Black Lives Matter and all the protests that are going on right now. Um, other things as well. So again, microaggression. So experiencing harm from either faculty or other peers or even staff members. Uh, that's another trend that takes place at PWIs. Um, other trends as well, stereotype threat. So for a Black person fearing that you will adhere to a certain stereotype. So for instance, there's a lot of stereotypes that um, come across my mind when I think of Black folks and how we're portrayed in the media. So for instance, we're uneducated, we're not intelligent, things of that nature. And so to be at a PWI and to be a student and to go through uh, that battle of trying to not adhere to that, that can be a trend as well. Um, lack of belonging, lack of connectedness to campus, especially with this being a virtual environment. Lots of students are experiencing Zoom fatigue right now. And so that is a challenge, how to engage with students uh, via Zoom and keep them connected to campus. There's just a lot of different trends that affect Black students at PWIs. And I feel that it's no different here at PSU. Yeah, that, that I mean, obviously you can only speak to your own experiences and there's gonna be a wide range of experiences, even based on like, uh, country of origin, that too, and like, you know, being Black from different countries and, and that kind of thing. And so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the name of your center and address any like misconceptions there might be about why is it called the Pan-African Pan Commons? Sure. So Pan-African Commons was created back in 2015. You know what? I'm sorry, I'm blanking on years. It might not be 20... Edit that out. Okay, so um, Pan-African Commons was created from a list of student demands. Um, and the purpose of Pan-African Commons is to unite all populations within the African diaspora. For those who are unfamiliar with what the African diaspora is, 
the African diaspora is literally the dispersal, the, the dispersal of African peoples throughout the continent. So not only Black people in America, but also Black people um, in Latin America, Black people in Africa, Black people um, in Britain, Black people just across the continent. So Blackness is not only in America, it's all across the, the continent. Um, Portland State is unique in that it has African-American students and then also um, students of African descent. And so the purpose of Pan-African Commons is really just to unite all those populations. Um, there are some misconceptions about the name. Some people feel that Pan-African pertains to only African populations or that it pertains to only African-American populations. And that's not the case. So again, it's unity of all populations within the African diaspora. Um, we create resources and programs for students that are centered on five learning goals. So identity development, healing, social justice, leadership, and intercultural communication. So we create resources and opportunities really centered around those goals. And the ultimate goal of it is really to assist with the retention of students. And so people don't know what retention is. Retention is um, the time you enter a program to the time you graduate. So we're, we're helping students uh, graduate in a sense because we are providing them with that sense of belonging on campus because there's multiple studies that will show if students aren't connected to campus and if they don't have a good experience or if they aren't engaged, then that will definitely impact their, their academic progress. And so we are part of that retention piece. Yeah, I think all of that is really important to know and for our listeners to know. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit more, like get into um, what those programs are, what, what are the programs and services within uh, Penn African Commons, and Kennedy, you can even talk about like your experiences and, you know, leadership and, and that sort of thing. So what I will share is in terms of programs, they do vary every single term. So we don't, we do have one signature program, which is our Relapse, Relate, and Release series. It's an ongoing conversation that we have at least once per quarter, and we just talk about social justice topics that are current. Um, but as of right now, in terms of other events, we have to, we're more of a reactionary type of center is what I will say. And so we plan events each quarter. Um, again, depending upon it, it has to relate to one of those five learning goals and the topics um, with them being reactionary will somehow involve what's going on currently, or it, it'll also be based on what our current, um, what the current needs are of our black students. And so for instance, I have a programming team of four. Kennedy is one of those programming team members. And so when we create programs, we make sure that they're student serving. Um, and so they oftentimes will connect with students to see what types of events they would like to see. We also have event surveys that we, um, we have individuals fill out at, at the end of each event. And we look at those surveys as well to see if there are any event topics. Yeah, um, as Courtney highlighted on um, the biggest thing for me was definitely um, before and after, you know, COVID was like reaching out to students and, you know, seeing what, what they wanted to see or how we could, you know, serve them to see like, oh, well, what type of workshops do you want to see or what, what type of things do you want to do that's just informal where you can, like one of our events called Relax or Relate Release is just to kind of, 
you know, whether it's venting or just having informal conversations and just having that safe place to communicate um, was a really big one. But uh, I'd say that the experience of being on the team has been really great um, during these hard times of COVID because you still, I still, even though it's not in person, you still feel that sense of connection. You still feel like your voice is being heard um, during all these events. And so I'd say that that's been a really important part um, of being um, on, one, on, on the team is also even just having the experience of just being there besides, um, you know, helping with the flow of the event and the whole construction of it. I'd say that just experiencing it as well has been a really great experience for me. I'm glad to hear it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think having things that are programs that are student focused and like student led is so important. Um, like across the institution. So I'm really glad that that's a focus for y'all. Um, and I'm wondering if you could talk about like how you're trying to keep that community alive during COVID and over Zoom. I know it's really challenging to like keep engagement and like keep that sense of community. So what are y'all doing with that? So we're still hosting programs through Zoom. And so we have, a, so again, some of our programs do have to align with our learning goals. We do have the hangout space hour. And so with the hangout space hour, it's like come as you are, just like you would um, with the physical center. And so students come on, they talk with one another, they can make friends. Um, and it was funny because one of the hangout space hours, we had a student that was on there, but was watching TV and not really interacting with us. And so I just thought it was interesting because it was kind of like an online replica of what the center is. So it's like, you come as you are, just because you come to hangout space hours, if you don't want to talk to us, you don't have to. But um, again, the purpose of that is really just to, to create community for the students in a virtual platform, on a virtual platform. Yeah. Um, other, go ahead, go ahead. Other things as well. So you asked how we're engaging with students. We're engaging with students via social media as well. So for instance, we've created a few different challenges on social media. Um, so on Tuesdays, for instance, we call it Proverb Tuesday, and so we'll post an African proverb um, for the week, and we'll ask students to share their own African proverb on their story, tag us in it, and we'll repost it on our story. So that's another way that we're engaging with students is to honor that Zoom fatigue and just still somehow engage with them, and then we always post our events on social media as well. Last year, we did a students of the quarter submission. So we had a few students um, submit a nomination for a student of the quarter. And that student who was elected was able to take over the Instagram story. And Kennedy was actually one of those students who took over the Instagram story. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm wondering if you could talk further about um, COVID-19 and how it's kind of affected the Black community at PSU and in Portland in general, and you don't have to be <laughs> like an expert or anything, but you could speak on the disparities happening there. Access to technology. So with PSU going remote, um, not all, all students didn't have the same opportunities of like having a laptop at home. Um, and so the reason why I'm saying that is because I know firsthand, like I've had a few students who have reached out because they didn't have laptops and they weren't sure how they be able to complete their assignments. Um, so that's one of the ways that it's affected students. So realizing again, access and 
um, underrepresented communities may not have the same access to technology as, as other students may have. Um, mental health again, so being away from the social interactions of others, uh, for some it has impacted their mental health and their social development. Um, there are a lot of students, even on my programming team, that constantly say they miss this campus and they can't wait um, until you know, it goes back to being in person. And I, I, knew, I do know that there are a few students who unfortunately weren't able to continue on uh, with their education because of the uh, virtual setup that was taking place. That definitely affects things too with enrollment being down that can potentially affect future services. Yeah, and I just um, <clears throat> wanted to, I guess, emphasize what Courtney had said about um, mental health and um, just that, huge difference between in-person versus um, online because um, I don't know a lot of people like I'll say for myself like PAC was definitely one of the places where I would go like before class and after class all the time and so I'd say that it's very different now to not see the same faces every day and to you know just sit and enjoy you know company or just random conversations that start from one to two people to then like the whole uh, community impact just like all talking and enjoying ourselves so it's a huge difference and that definitely can impact mental health and make you feel more you know isolated yeah that's a really big thing it's been a major hurdle for for all of us but I can definitely appreciate the um that that strong community feel and like having even just a space to go is like so important because now when you're, you're done with class you just like shut off the computer and then you're just alone and you have to you have to figure things out you know so um yeah i definitely feel you i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> it's it's definitely um been hard for us all so i'm looking forward to hopefully this fall we can get back to in person um uh, but I wanted to shift the conversation to talking about um, the concept of healing justice and um, healing in general. And there's a Huffington Post article that I will link in the description. Um, but one quote says that healing justice means that we realize that care and accountability are at the root of healing justice practice and some and are some of the most difficult and direct actions we can take. Care and accountability require us to reveal, to center, and more than anything, to change." End quote. So I wanted to, to ask y'all about how your center um, acts as a source of healing justice for your community and for you know, the broader POC community as well. Outside of Pan-African Commons, there are six cultural resource centers in total. And that's our department is the cultural resource centers. And so I'll say as a cultural resource centers team, we created a Black Lives Matter implementation plan. And a part of that plan was to create a new learning goal titled healing. And so the point of that goal is really just to center the healing justice quote that you just created. And so I'll, I'll speak for our, um, our center directly. So how PAC has been engaging with healing. Um, we are, well, in the, fall, we did a, a, an event titled How to Cope with Microaggressions and Racial Tension at a PWI. 
Um, so we provided Black students with the skills to uh, cope with microaggressions and racial tensions at PWI, which is important because that's one of the trends that I was telling you about earlier in higher education, mental health, and also how racism and microaggressions can impact your mental health. So we gave students coping skills for that. Um, another event that we are looking to do for healing would be something around um, mistrust and myths amongst the Black community and the health, the medical profession. So we're right now we're in talks of um, hiring a speaker for that particular event. Um, but we definitely do center healing in a lot of our events. And then I'll say as well for being Black at PSU, that's one of the events that I mentioned earlier within this talk. So using a trauma-informed lens to help create and help guide our practices. And so for instance, being Black at PSU, recognizing that Black students, faculty, and staff who choose to share for that particular event, um, recognizing that the trauma that that can create for them, sharing in front of a non-Black audience, their, their experiences with either racism or microaggressions that may have taken place at PSU. So we've created some ground rules to uh, center and recognize that trauma and also to uh, inform non-Black audiences that you know, how to deal with this and how to just be silent and observe and to not overtake the conversation so we can avoid concepts of white fragility and also other um, people of color fragility. Um, and what I will share as well is Pan-African Commons is always going to do what it needs to do to create community for Black students, but when it comes to healing, it's not only the job of Pan-African Commons to do this. And so this is probably jumping ahead a little bit, but um, what we do recommend or what we would like to see is holistic support from other academic departments on campus and also from other student support offices. That way, student, Black students can feel value not only from their own community, but also from, from other um, constituents as well. Yeah, I wanted to add on, um, I think that there's like kind of an, um, I guess I wouldn't use the word healing, but I guess um, when you walk into Pan-African Commons, you see students of color, but not only students of color, but from different countries. And so I think when you experience and get to converse with students from different countries, even though they still kind of look like you, you have that sense of discovery because there was a, a tiny bit of um, misconception between, well, this is from my experience, I'm not gonna speak on everyone's of course, between students who identify with being African versus being African-American. And so there was, there seemed at first to be a sense of um, division sometimes because we didn't, at first we didn't feel that we could relate to each other in certain ways, but I think as time went on and as we, you know, started to experience sharing that community, um, we kind of had a healing and sense of understanding that we can all relate, even though we come from different cultural backgrounds. So I wanted to um, say something regarding about, regarding that, so. I thought that that was kind of like a sense of healing because we're kind of healing the misconceptions and the microaggressions that we at first 
forced upon ourselves using prejudgment and saying, well, I'm African-American, this person is African, but we really have a lot of similarities and things that we share um, that we didn't realize until we opened up and that community gave us that opportunity to do so. I would say hiring professionals that are trained to do that. So for instance, hiring a black mental health professional who's skilled in these types of topics. Again, using holistic support. So not placing all of the emotional labor of black students on the black cultural center, but utilizing funds and resources to seek external help if needed. Going beyond a training and actually discussing how to implement key items and trainings into your actual role at PSU? That's a really good point. Um, as a person who's like received cultural training and like diversity training and stuff, it's like, how can we actually turn that into action and like implement those kinds of things into our daily work and change the culture overall, like step by step? So that's a really good point. Kennedy, do you have any thoughts on um, the conversations around mental health um, that you've been having or been seeing? Um, well, speaking on, I guess, the Black community, not just PSU, there's a lot of, um, I would say like a lot of controversy on recognizing um, mental health amongst Black people with um, just the, sometimes like the things that it were, engraved in our earlier generations, it can be passed down. So sometimes like the, some of the black community sometimes doesn't recognize uh, mental health as an actual thing. And so I think that I would, I, I just want, I guess I would talk about that area getting a lot better as time goes by. Um, Cause I just think that there's more um, from my experience and what I can see is there's a lot more Black people and Black communities that I know that are recognizing mental health or are talking about resources or are advocating for people recognizing um, any type of mental health challenges that they're having or anything like that. I appreciate that perspective for sure. Um, and I think it's really important with that topic in particular that it's not a white dominated uh, conversation. Um, and I wanted to ask y'all about um, the PSU community at large, like looking beyond PAC, um, how can the administration better support Black students? How can PSU and white students in particular be better allies and um, accomplices to you in, in being actively anti-racist. Um, and I know that's a loaded question as well, but um, if you have any thoughts about like, what are the concrete steps and actions that need to be taken? Um, I think that would be really beneficial to talk about. The biggest thing that I would like to see just from my experience is like more, um, more advoca advocacy, pardon me, for, um, for our events. I just, I didn't see enough of, enough advertisement or, or enough, um, you know, just enough 
support for the things that we were trying to do, whether it was for Pan-African Commons or Black Student Union in the past, like I just didn't see enough advocacy there um, in terms of advertising our events, whether it was social media or in different places on campus, like there, I just didn't see enough support. So that's what I would say would be one of the first steps um, because then when you see the whole university, you know, advertising each multicultural center equally or, or a lot so that we can get more students and more, you know, show up. So that's what I would say would be one of the biggest things. There's a meme I just pulled up on my phone and quote, higher ed's top favorite ways to stall and defuse student activist efforts slash demands. Number one, listening sessions. Number two, instituting a special task force. Number three, hiring chief diversity officers. Number four, climate surveys. So it's a, just a repeating cycle that goes on and it, it diffuses student activist efforts and demands. And so with that being said, moving beyond those four items in terms of how to black, uh, how to support black students, moving beyond those four items and actually implementing action. Um, so for instance, listening sessions, during my one year at PSU, I've seen a lot of those, instituting a special task force. So we're at number two right now. So we need to just move beyond the preliminary stages and actually do things. Um, again, also not placing the emotional labor of Black students on Black professionals or specifically the Black Cultural Center. I will share that we do have strong connections and strong ties to our Black students. Oftentimes, they will feel support or they'll, they'll feel the lack of support from upper administration. Just what I'll say is provide holistic support and not placing the emotional labor of Black students on Black professionals or Black cultural centers because when students are looking for answers on how the university supports Black students, they're not looking for answers from the Black Cultural Center because they know that the Black Cultural Center has their back. They're looking for support from others on campus. And so if they want to show that Black Lives Matter, then they need to put their money where their mouths are. I completely agree. Uh, that meme, I was, I was laughing because <laughs> Um, it's very true, especially in this year of 2020, where we saw, you know, um, Black Lives Matter really heat up and everything going on in the spring and summer. And we saw lots of emails and lots of words. Um, but it's, you know, we've seen that for years now. And even with Disarm PSU, for example, there were listening sessions and plenty of talk happening in 2014, 2015 where they were like, yeah, we hear you. And then they decided to completely ignore everything that the students were saying um, and reverse their decision, right? And then now they've said, oh yeah, we're gonna disarm PSU, um, but they can still reverse that decision at any time. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of performative wokeness at PSU and within white students as well. Um, you know, I think there's like a, pe people feel the need, I'm guilty of this sometimes of like, I have to prove I'm not racist. So like, I'm going to speak on all this stuff. Um, but how do we kind of move past that performative wokeness, especially like in the classroom with 
white students dominating these conversations around race and equity? So what I'll say to that is in terms of allyship, because you asked that earlier, um, how to be an ally. So what I'll start with is over the summer, I created an anti-Blackness bystander intervention training. And so the point of that was to provide education about anti-Blackness and how as cultural resource center staff, and so when I say staff, I'm referring to all of our programming teams. So for the cultural resource centers, we have staff that consists of students who do programs and we also have receptionists. And so the point of that training was to um, teach everyone about what anti-Blackness is and also to provide them with practical steps on how to address anti-Blackness. And so I created two different, um, two different responses on how to respond to anti-Blackness. So either you are a path, you either respond passively or you respond actively. And so I feel that applies to allyship as well. So if you're an ally, um, your goal within racial and social injustice is to not be a bystander. Your role is to either be passive or be active um, against racism and social, and social justice uh, in issues. Number one, realize that there's a lot of education and learning that needs to take place. Um, so don't base all of your experiences from one black person, because again, blackness is monolithic and there's so uh, many different perspectives and experiences out there. So don't base everything uh, from one person. There's lots of educational materials out there. So always be willing to do the research in order to grasp for certain concepts. So it's different, let's say like, if you look at some research or something and you may want like a second opinion on it, but that may be acceptable, but um, just don't come to like your black friend, for instance, and expect to for them to explain everything to you because that can be taxing for the black friend. Number one. Um, number two, I will say, um, listen. There's this whole thing of intent versus impact. And so when someone is sharing to you, like let's say if, if a black person experiences like a microaggression or racism, and let's say you weren't aware that you caused harm. Um, what I will say in order in to, to respond to that as an ally is to actually listen to the harm that was caused and to accept, accept ownership and accept accountability, whether you feel you were in the wrong or not. And if you really feel that you weren't in the wrong, then you need to take the time to do research and figure out why you're uncomfortable um, don't sit there and try to play a victim, uh, what we call white fragility, and so turn yourself into a victim and make it seem that you're actually the victim. When you're not the victim, you're the one that caused harm to the other party. Um, so taking a step back and actually listening and being empathetic instead of um, listening to respond. Um, other things that allies can do to make it, um, you said, not performative, um, I mean, realizing that just because you have a black friend doesn't mean that you are not a racist or you can't cause microaggressions. Like in terms of unconscious bias, everyone has unconscious bias, whether you are black or non-black. Um, everyone has unconscious bias. So everyone has maybe stereotypes that they grew up um, with 
that were maybe portrayed in the media or even within your own family about like certain ethnic groups. And so realizing that you do have unconscious bias, um, learning how to check your unconscious biases um, and utilizing your privilege in a way that can benefit the BIPOC community. So I'll give an example. Um, the Black professional within this role, I have to deal a lot with, with issues that take place within the Black community. So again, going back to my earlier reference of how it's taxing for a Black professional to always deal with every single item that deals with Black students, right? So there will be, there's an analogy where it's like, you're, they call it the cup analogy, right? So you have to make sure you're not pouring from an empty cup when you are dealing with uh, social justice issues, right? So let's say if I'm at my second to last cup and I'm really drained and I'm really, you know, non-energized, um, having an ally, so someone who's non-Black, be able to speak up and advocate for Black students instead of that labor always falling on me, I feel is a good example of allyship, right? So using your privilege um, to leverage support from from others on social justice topics, because oftentimes I will share as a Black professional, there's this concept that's called hypervisibility. And so oftentimes when a Black professional speaks out about racial justice issues, um, sometimes they can be viewed as an outcast or sometimes um, they'll be viewed as what's called hypervisible. So what hypervisible is, is speaking out, but, um, for the right reasons, but instead of others taking what you're saying seriously, they're now just looking at the racial issues that you've highlighted as opposed to what you're actually highlighting. And so having that out, using that allyship to prevent like hypervisibility, also the emotional taxing parts of being a social justice advocate um, is a good way to be an ally. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate all those thoughts and I, I think it's like constant to do this work. It's not a once a one and done type of thing to like think about your unconscious bias or your privileges and, and like, it's, you have to keep doing this practice. Um, so yeah, that's important to, to know. And also to like have these conversations and advocate for racial justice when there's no black people in the room. And that happens a lot at PSU um, because it's such a white dominated institution. So like, even if you're in a student job and you have the ability to help with hiring, like to, to really like be active and proactive instead of reactive and in, um, in responding to issues, but to, to see where disparities are and where the work needs to be done ahead of time. So yeah, I appreciate those thoughts for sure. And I guess we can, um, close out by talking about Black History Month. Um, this will go out the first day of Black History Month and kick, off, kick it off. So um, if you could talk about what your theme is and what y'all are doing. Sure, so Black History Month 2021, we're really excited to host five events. We've been working on these events since the end of summer. And so we did a lot of pre-planning and so we're just excited to um, share this with the campus community. So our theme is Black is Beautiful. So throughout history, people of the African diaspora have been taught to not love our Blackness. We have been miseducated on the history of our culture, the beauty of our physical attributes, our vernacular and mannerisms. This year's theme, 
Centers Uplifting Our Black Family Members and Dispelling False Narratives About Our Culture. Join us for a month of celebration, learning, community, and healing. So again, we have five different events. Um, our first one is misnaming and identity across the African diaspora. So we hired an African-American studies professor from Clark Atlanta University, which is my alma mater. So I'm an HBCU alum. Um, the point of this is really just to talk more about the diaspora. So earlier in this conversation, we talked about what the African diaspora is. Um, so this will help conceptualize identity. Um, so what is the African diaspora? What does Black mean? What does African-American mean? We're going to discuss all of that during this particular event. Um, our next event is Portland's History and the Black Experience. So we have a former Black Studies professor, and we also have a, a uh, Black staff member um, who will be sharing information about Vanport, housing and displacement. Um, and so that will be a panel. We also have Being Black at PSU, which I talked briefly about earlier. So we're going to have Black students, faculty, and staff members submit a two to three minute video or written submission on the prompt. What is it like being Black at PSU? From there, we will create a slideshow. During the event, students will interact with the slideshow. They'll have breakout groups. They'll discuss um, their reaction to the slideshow along with their own interactions and personal experiences with what it's like being Black at PSU. Beyond this event, we also have a partnership with Special Collections, and so the submissions for the slideshow will be archived. We also have a Pack to Professionals panel event planned on February the 24th. That will have a few, uh, we have five panelists who will be from business administration and the health profession and just discussing their personal experiences in the workforce and how to deal with those things. Um, on our last event, the anger of black women as resistance against police violence. So we have a facilitator from Stanford University who will be discussing rage in a new light. So for instance, the black angry black woman stereotype that's typically what people think of when they think of rage. Um, and so this facilitator will actually be discussing uh, rage in a new light so how rage can be actually a positive thing and how you can use your rage to actually fuel your your social justice movement as a black individual. I love that like reclaiming and validating that righteous anger I think is so um, important and like completely shaping, like reshaping um, what activism looks like. So that is all really exciting. Um, looking forward to it. And I will be sure to link your website and like all of the resources in the description of this episode for folks to check out and make sure you attend those events. So thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503 725-2800.
counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number 503-725-2800. If you are looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday or you can download the Campus Well app. You can also check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including website links in the episode description. We also have a Google form that you can complete with any questions about health, shack, or anything we discuss in the podcast. You can find the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and take care. <laughs>